Hey everyone, welcome to The Boot! That's right, it's The Boot! We are recasting classic movie reboots so Hollywood doesn't have to! This week we're taking baby steps into the 1991 comedy classic What About Bob? Starring Bill Murray, Richard Dreyfuss, Julie Haggerty, Catherine Irby, and Charlie Corsmo. I think I nailed all of those names. <laughs> I think you did great. Kenna, how was your vacation? <laughs> oh, it was great. There were fireworks, there were guns, there was lots of chicken. <laughs> did the chickens have the guns? <laughs> Who had the guns? <laughs> we had the guns, but the chickens, I mean, I'm formulating something in my mm-hmm. head. Chickens with guns, that's wow. the original idea Hollywood's been waiting for. Chicken with <laughs> guns is the title? It's the working title. I'm there. I'll buy a ticket. As long as I'm in my apartment, I'm okay. But when I want to go out, I get weird. Talk about weird. Well, I get Dizzy spells, nausea, cold sweats, hot sweats, fever blisters, difficulty breathing, difficulty swallowing, blurred vision, involuntary trembling, dead hands, numb lips, fingernail sensitivity, pelvic discomfort. So the real question is, what is the crisis, Bob? What is it that you are truly afraid of what if my heart stops beating what if i'm looking for a bathroom i can't find it and my bladder explodes so you had never seen this movie no um and you gave me a bit of uh trivia before we started recording this which shook me to my old bones (laughs) core that this movie came out two days before you were born yeah Ooh, weird. <laughs> it was 1991. It's not like it was last week. I know, but I, I, I mean, I was already biking. <laughs> I had done at least five trick-or-treats at that point. It, so, you know, either way, life comes at you fast. You're practically my grandfather. That's what you're trying to say. <laughs> mm-hmm. Guys, welcome to The Boot. This is a movie reboot podcast where I, Brian Flynn, and my co-host, Kenneth Trent, will take a classic Hollywood movie, talk about it as if the movie was to be remade today, because that's what Hollywood is doing, guys. Just because we go on vacation doesn't mean Hollywood stops, and we're going to take five characters from that movie and recast it for the 2019 version. Now, before we do, we have so much reboot news. <laughs> I uh, I was looking at the, 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 the sheet, and I was like, oh, there's no news, and you were just like... Nope, putting it in now. <laughs> and then it was just like boom, boom, boom. So why don't we why don't we get into it? Speaking of Bill Murray movies, uh mm-hmm. Kevin Hart is developing a Scrooged remake with Paramount. The comedian, uh according to Variety, will produce the project through his Heartbeat uh productions and will likely take on the starring role. Now, do you like Scrooged? I know it's like a mixed people have mixed feelings about I've it. I've never seen Scrooge. Oh, okay. Which I guess I'm realizing I haven't seen a lot of Bill Murray movies. <laughs> well, that's on you, I guess. <laughs> 90s kid. It has, it has me wondering why people like him so much, especially after reading the trivia for this movie. Yeah, he's kind of an asshole, I guess. Or at least he was in the early 90s after his smashing successes with uh, Caddyshack and Ghostbusters. Well, um, as you can tell, Scrooged is essentially a dark comedy retelling of A Christmas Carol. Mm-hmm. Which... Um, We've briefly talked on the show is like um, I get remember Tom Hardy is remaking yeah. Christmas Carol and uh, I'm always up for a new Christmas Carol. It's a, it's so classic. I think we're allowed to to get newer versions of it. I think I watched it a few years ago and I think I wanted it to be funnier than it is. Mm. It's kind of funny because you know Bill Murray does play a raging asshole through the majority of the movie. You have chosen. <laughs> well, I am happy with the path that I've chosen, you little bitch. In fact, I couldn't be happier. What are you, crazy? Yeah, buddy, I'm crazy. Crazy like a fox. I am not opposed to Kevin Hart, but I don't know if I maybe I should watch the original first before I because if I don't have an opinion on that, mm-hmm. then the remake might seem kind of weird i don't know i imagine it's probably going to be designed to be more like laugh out loud funny than just like 
subtle dark comedy. Should we well, buzz? Yep. It's happening. It's happening. Let's buzz ahead. Um. Okay. So we have a confession to make. <laughs> so um, first I'll tell you this. Varsity Blues, every early aughts teenager's favorite movie in high school, is being revived for Quibi, the new uh, mobile streaming network. Okay, so here's what we don't tell you. Sometimes we record entire episodes of this show and they don't ever see the light of day. By sometimes, I'm we mean twice. Twice. <laughs> and the first such episode was... Varsity, Varsity Blues. Blues. I honestly wish we could find a recording of it because at one point Brian gets so mad at me. I don't love this recording because I hated this movie so, so much. To be fair, it does not hold up. No. As a no, uh, how shall we say a acceptable, a an acceptable as a film, <laughs> just as a picture. You got the opportunity of a lifetime. You treat it like a West Canaan is not the opportunity of a lifetime. Your attitude's wrong. Your tone of voice is wrong. This is your opportunity For here. you. Playing football at West Canaan may have been the opportunity of your lifetime. But I don't want your life. It's now kind of, uh, I, I wouldn't even say risque. It's just, it's just, it's not great. It's just not good at all. And... <laughs> I went back to look at my I went back to look at my notes that I took during the movie and most of, one of them literally just says I know James Vanderbeek is the most popular choice to play a character like this at this time but he looks terrible in this movie <laughs> even a late 90s heartthrob could not survive this movie and I say that with all due respect to Paul Walker who did nothing wrong mm -hmm. but you know anyway there's going to be a TV show and uh, let's talk about Quibi. What the fuck is Quibi? It appear it has appeared in the lexicon so swiftly. I had to look it up. Um, and it's just a streaming network, I guess, that's optimized to be viewed on mobile devices. But why? I mean, it's optimized to be viewed on mobile devices. So it's optimized to run like on your phone. On your phone and not mm -hmm. on any other screen. And not like on your TV necessarily. Why? I don't know. But every time somebody announces a new streaming platform, I'm like, okay. Okay. Uh, Varsity Blues, not exactly your favorite. So will you be tuning in? Probably no, not. I hate this movie. <laughs> if you liked Varsity Blues in high school, please go back and watch it. Please, I beg you, go back and watch this movie because you will be like, yikes. I liked it, but because I wasn't old enough to see it. So I like snuck in to oh, see it. And it's yeah. raunchy. I mean, it it's is. raunchy for, you it know. It is. It's day. Uh, <laughs> all right. Let's 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 keep going. Okay. <laughs> this was one that we were kind of bummed out because I think it took it off our list. Mm -hmm. Screen Gems taking baby steps on Look Who's Talking reboot with Jeremy Gerlich and Adam Fields. Uh, I don't know who those people are. I'm assuming they're the writers. Now, yeah. look who's talking. The 1989 comedy starring Kirstie Alley and John Travolta that made Buco De Niro mm -hmm. at the box office is getting rebooted. Simple tale of baby being born, baby talking, yeah. while he narrates the rom-com of how his parents met. This here is your first lesson in coffee. Without anything in it, it's black coffee. Can you say black coffee? Mm, nope. And then there's coffee regular, Okay. That means two sugars and milk, which they have forgotten. So can I borrow some of yours? Ah, coffee regular. I love it. You know, that's breast milk. <laughs> <laughs> Why didn't you tell me? Hey, man, you're on your own. Here's the thing that I don't get, because I'm quoting this Deadline article. The writer, Jeremy Gerlich, is quoted as saying, What excited me about doing this is I have four kids, including twins, and this is something they can watch and share some of the experience I had with my wife, like figuring out how to raise these kids with all the mistakes that happen. Um, I don't know if people remember, but Look Who's Talking kind of has some, like, dirty plot lines. First of all, you you watch the inception of the baby, mm -hmm. which was harrowing as a child when I watched <laughs> this movie. Secondly, I had to look up the plot of Look Who's Talking, but Kirstie Alley gets pregnant from, I believe, her boss, who then, like, promises to leave his wife, but then they catch him cheating 
on his wife with someone else that he's going to leave. Like, there's this entire, like, scandal with the baby daddy that's like, this is how you want to make this movie for your kids? We're going to just, I don't know. Well, they might change a bunch of stuff, base it on their own wholesome lives. Mm. I mean, yeah. I'm just wondering, like, are they going to put a little more kind of darker adult tones i hope not (laughs) is it necessary because what's funny is that like the subsequent sequels of this movie look who's talking to Mm t-o-o and look who's talking now about two lovable dogs yeah um it really seemed like it got rinsed out oh for sure so you know guys who cares (laughs) i just mean like this isn't it's not my life story why am i getting so upset about whether or not you just want to know if this man's making a movie for his children, if his children should and can watch it. I just want to know, are they going to have a very sex-positive female protagonist? That's all I want to know. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Well, I think the tricky thing is that if you have to, if you have to have a woman who ultimately can't, like, be with the father of the child who has to sort of, like, bump into this other guy. Yeah. It just depends on how you think that should happen. And apparently in the 80s, they were like... Oh well, she should have sex with her boss, and then he's he's a scumbag. So she, like, it, there could be many ways in which this happens, sure. but that was the avenue that they saw. Yeah. That's all the news that's fit to print. And honestly, are we for really, now, yeah, for now. So, and honestly, we're not here to talk about any of that stuff. We just want to keep you guys abreast of the fact that Hollywood is cannibalizing itself nonstop. So let's talk about what about Bob? You ready to talk about this movie? Yeah, let's do it. All right, guys, this is our reboot of What About Bob. <laughs> I'm giving you back your admitting form, Leo, to save you any embarrassment. Embarrassment? Catherine, you have been duped by a textbook narcissist, a a brilliant sociopath. Brilliant enough to dupe my entire staff? I doubt that. Now, it's perfectly natural for a patient to bond with his analyst. Oh, it's not... If you want to be rid of him, just tell him you won't treat him anymore. Catherine, that's easy for you to say. The man is is, is human crazy glue. No, you should never have let him sleep in your pajamas, Leo. No, I can't believe that I'm hearing this. Relax, Leo. I'm relaxed. Take a vacation. Come on, vacation! (laughs) Oh, I so enjoy it. I so enjoy it. So what was your uh, initial thoughts of this movie? Um... I feel like I've always heard people say they really like this movie. I think the thing that really caught me off guard about it is that I didn't, like, laugh out loud a bunch. But there was lots of stuff that definitely warranted a swift breath of air from my nose. You know? (laughs) I I wrote this down. Like, this movie is a string of one-liners. Uh-huh. That are just too many to, to write down. Like, I think that's where it's, it's yeah. really coming from. Which I think is what adds to its charm. Um, despite the fact that it's kind of like, it kind of sucks knowing that just Bill Murray was just a huge a-hole yeah. uh, uh, on the side. Because it's like, you know, he's everybody's hero. You want him to kind of be a great guy. But I, I mean. Yeah, we want to like decent people. Yeah. Is that too much to ask? <laughs> Apparently. Apparently. What about Bob? It's directed by Frank Oz, the Frank Oz, famous of Muppeteer Yoda. of Yoda, <laughs> famous Muppeteer, director of such movies as Dirty Rotten Scoundrels and Death at a Funeral and several other very wonderful movies. Uh, stars Bill Murray as Bob Wiley, Richard Dreyfus as Dr. Leo Marvin, Julie Haggerty as Faye Marvin, Catherine Irby as the daughter Anna Marvin, and Charlie Corsmo as Siggy Marvin. Charlie, of course, a very famous child actor who then grew up to be a teenage actor in... uh... Mm, Can't Hardly Wait? Can't Hardly Wait. Great. (laughs) I can't tell if this movie is still relevant or if it's outdated in terms of, like, mental illness. Because it's sort of like a caricature of mental illness. Like, Mm -hmm. does Bob actually even have these illnesses or is he just, like... But Lonely. The, but the fact that he, like, thinks he does. Yeah. Has he, like, caught himself in a trap of... I don't know. There were so many points where I was like, he should have just called the cops. Like, yeah. from the top. Yeah. But he didn't. But he didn't. It's really Leo's fault. But I identified so much more with Leo than I did with Bob. Which is interesting because Richard Dreyfus now says that people come up to him and will be like, loved this movie. 
And you know what? Like, I think I I think I agree with you and your character. Like, people don't like Bob. And I was like, I I get that. Like, I think I'm on Leo's side. Well, you you kind of should be on Leo's side. Like, because you watch Bob poison his life yeah. from the jump. Even though Leo has his own share of complete misgivings. Yeah. Like, the diagnosis that Leo gives Bob after Bob leaves his office, mm-hmm. you could sort of argue that Leo has the same thing. July 31st, Bob Wiley, introductory interview. Multiphobic personality, characterized by acute separation anxiety and extreme need for family connections. Bill the usual rate for the interview and uh, 29.95 for the book. As his family meets Bob, they're become obsessed with him because he's just not Leo. And I kind of have this theory that Leo is sort of a tyrant in his own house in mm. a lot of ways. But we'll get we'll kind of okay. dive into how we cast okay. this. Wow, thing. this is going to get heavy. Yeah, this is a psychoanalyst's take on what about Bob? Neither of us are psychoanalysts. No, not at all. I guess I'll I'll go first. Should we dive into Bob? Yeah, let's talk about Bob. Um, so. <laughs> As I was trying to think about, like, who to cast, the way that I thought of it, it was that, like, I really wanted – the most important part is the pairing of Bob and Leo. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, I have to pick uh, actors that I want to see this certain dynamic and how they affect each other. And I immediately thought, like, this has been Stiller written all over it, but, like, 10 years ago. Yeah. And so I was like, all right, I don't want to – I want to get away from I – want, I want Ben to get away from the kind of, like – Oh, let's put Ben Stiller in a family comedy where he's like, I mean, let's meet, let's meet the parents, essentially. Right. But so I decided to uh, pick a couple of actresses okay. that I thought would be a fun pair. So for my Bob, I wanted someone who could play crazy really well, but maybe a different kind of crazy. Maybe mm-hmm. someone who maybe you think actually has these problems because the whole time I was like, I really don't know if Bob believes this stuff mm-hmm. or if he's just like looking for attention in some weird way like that just makes me sad i know i think that's just like how, how bill murray played it yeah um but they have to go from someone who's so neurotic to then so relaxed mm-hmm. in the environment and in a comedian that i just love watching and i'm very excited to see what maybe she does next because her show got canceled last last year but i picked Kristen shawl from last man on earth okay uh, one, because she's hilarious. Mm-hmm. Two, when she came on the scene, I think it was Flight of the Concords is when I first, like, remember seeing her. Or The Daily Show. Like, she was so interesting. Yeah. And and I don't want to use the word weird, but, like, she was different. Yeah. And I think for Bob, that that's kind of a quality that I like, even though we're now accustomed to Kristen Shaw. But that's who I kind of saw. And so I, I, I went with her because she's never failed to deliver. No, I think that's a really smart choice because ultimately she sort of plays a version of this, I think, on Last Man on Earth mm-hmm. because she is the person that um, Will Forte's character like didn't yeah. want to Tandy. appear <laughs> yeah. in the middle of like the apocalypse. The apocalypse. And she like there. I mean, everybody is sort of a, a wacky, like bigger version of, of different character archetypes. But I can see her. I think because the whole point is that they sort of like switch places like Bob's life gets better. I'm using air quotes on a podcast. (laughs) Bob's life gets better and he gets uh, cured of all these things Uh as Dr. Marvin is like slowly losing his mind. Yeah. You know, it sounds like a very intriguing process. How long have you been a patient of Dr. Marvin's? Three or four days. Three or four days? (laughs) (laughs) The book is not really meant to work that quickly. It only worked that quickly with with Boob. Bob. You can call me Boob. I don't know. I don't want to call you Boob. Even if you do it as an accident. It's okay. No, no, I really don't want to call him Boob. Uh, the book isn't, you know, meant to work that, that quickly. And so I could see her th- doing the thing where, like, she's just thinking that, like, this therapy that he's not actually doing is somehow, like, healing her. Yeah. Um, and I find that to be very funny. Who'd you pick? Um, so for my Bob, I sort of switched my mind at the last minute because I almost cast a woman and then I was watching this person on the television series he was on for many years and I thought truly this is his time to shine. So I picked Tony Hale. (laughs) From Arrested Development and Veep. Yes. 
Uh, that's a really funny choice. I love Tony Hale. I sort of, I know he's not like this, but I just sort of like to imagine that he's a little bit Buster Bluth, like 0.25%. Yeah. In like his, a little mousy. In his like real life. Yeah. And I, there's just something about like that sort of wide eyed, like innocence that shouldn't be there that I would love to see in Bob. He plays man baby very well. Yeah. Like Buster trying to become his own man and having it fail miserably. Yeah. Sort of shades of Bob as well. It's sort of like someone who just can't get out of the traps. And and I can totally see him like go through each step that Leo gives him the, mm-hmm. the like the fake therapy that Leo gives him, like the vacation from your problems, the death cure. The death cure? The the, the death, death therapy. therapy. <laughs> death cure the death therapy in the woods where he's like basically strapped a bomb to bob yes to kill him and bob's like oh, i get it it's genius but like i can totally see tony hale work that out for himself so specifically i would love to see him strapped to a boat <laughs> just screaming i'm sailing i sail I, I sail now out on a boat on the lake way far away from the dock the wind of the wind with the sky and everything. Ahoy! I love that scene so much. And it's just there's all these little details that I picked up uh, having rewatched it where when he gets off the boat, his feet also had life preservers on them. Like he's so he was like head to toe in life preservers <laughs> that I thought was so funny. And what I also like about Tony Hale, because I also think it's important for Bob, is that like he can exhibit a sweetness to Ziggy. Mm hmm. Siggy? Siggy. Siggy, uh, which I think is really important for, yeah. for us as an audience to... Well, he has to relate to him in that, like, childlike way of, like, he's still 13. Yeah. A little bit. And so he... It has to be someone who we can see sort of being childlike. I mean, I laughed out loud at the peace and quiet joke. <laughs> it's so good. That, that was, for some reason, really cracked me up. I want some peace and quiet. Well, I'll be quiet. I'll be peace. <laughs> that was pretty quick. It was quick. Quick and painless. To Dr. Leo Marvin. Dr. Leo Marvin! <laughs> um. Okay, so this is where I switched things up a little bit. Uh-huh. Um, like I said, because I initially wanted to cast two women as Bob and the good doctor. Yeah. Um, not associated with the ABC television show. Um, so I decided to keep my doctor because I think she is someone who has more recently made a name for herself as a very wonderful dramatic actress, but she is such a funny comedic actress Mm -hmm. as well. And I can absolutely see her going on a journey in this movie. I picked Olivia Coleman. Oh, a very interesting Oscar winner. Yeah. That's, that's, I like it. She is, she is a very, I never, here's the thing, like, I know her from all of her, like, comedy stuff. Yeah. And then seeing The Favorite, I was like, oh my God, like, she is tremendous as a Mm -hmm. dramatic actor, which I think is what I liked about them going for Richard Dreyfuss, who's, you know, he's a very serious and acclaimed actor. Watching him, it's entirely different to watch a comedian like slowly lose it. Yeah. Like you could stick like, honestly, I think you could stick Adam Sandler in here as like a straight man and be like, okay, you're just kind of slowly going to chip away at your sanity. And we'd be like, okay, yeah, you could do that. But it's so much more interesting to watch an actor who just has like real clout lose their mind. Yeah. In a very funny way. Like there's some line deliveries from Richard Dreyfuss that are so insane. Oh, Dad, the car's still at the marina. What? You said to leave it, remember? Well, Marine's got to let up soon. He can go home then. Well, what if it starts up again? He can borrow my slicker. Like you said, like watching him slowly die during that moment probably wouldn't be as funny as if you picked like yeah. someone that we know for drama. Yeah. So I like that pick. I kind of went the same way. I picked an actress who 
has crushed it in drama, but has, you know, has a history in comedy. And the thing that I thought about Leo was that I wanted to pick someone who could portray someone that had a lot to lose. Okay. So I ended up picking Reese Witherspoon, who in her own right in real life is sort of like this mogul of not exactly self-help, but like she's written like a couple books and like. Yeah, she's uh, got a little bit of a lifestyle brand. Yeah, like a lifestyle brand. She's, you know, this mega producer and she's been crushing it on Big Little Lies, a show I admittedly don't watch. Um, Not that I, you know, I just don't have the time. Wow. But I watched as many clips as I could to prove my point that she would be great in this because I know for a fact that she can live in comedy. Uh-huh. Just as just as well. Yeah. Uh I mean four Christmases. Why did you pick no. that? Like she wasn't in legally blonde. <laughs> no, because or... I wanted to see this reaction right here. Oh my gosh. That's actually a, not a great comedy. Um I actually kinda liked Four Christmases. But I think I'm endeared to Christmas movies more. Yeah. Um I think that's an appropriate choice. Thank she you. putting the two of like you said, it's all about the teaming of these two people. Putting her together with Kristen Shaw, I think would be very funny. I would watch that. I would yeah. watch Kristen Shaw give crazy eyes to Reese Witherspoon for like a prolonged period of time. Uh-huh. And, and then, you know. <laughs> You know what I'm talking about. Give crazy for a prolonged yeah. period of time. That kind of Kristen Schaalik, <laughs> kind of open mouth, glazed eyed, kind of. Yeah, I would, I would love it. So far, so good. Nothing too crazy. I no bombs going off. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. I, it's funny because I feel like all the time I put together casts of people and I'm like, this is insane. <laughs> and this was one of those times where I was like, well, this is a little weird. And then when we say it out loud, it's not weird it's not at weird all. Weird at all? No. I, I'm actually excited to talk about the family because I think there's a lot about the family that, like, the movie kind of glosses over. Yeah. Maybe it's more, like, shown in subtext. So let's move on to Faye, played by Julie Haggerty, who, if any comedy freaks out there know, she's, you know, one of the stars of Airplane. Mm-hmm. Uh, Faye is a very strange character to me because she's very mousy, very kind, very gentle, like... Very delicate around Leo. And this is what kind of got me thinking. There's a scene where Faye is practicing introducing her family to Good Morning America. Yeah. And she seems to be having, like, a nervous break of her own because she's trying to, like, keep up. It's like practicing appearances, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And then it just clicked to me and I was like, oh, Leo is a fucking asshole to his family. Mm, Interesting. I'm Faye Marvin, Dr. Marvin's wife. And I'm very happy to be on your program. And these are our children, Anna and Ziggy. I'm a failure. What? Going on national television tomorrow as an expert in human behavior. And in the space of the last hour, both of my children have told me that they hate me. You know, he doesn't listen to his daughter. He makes them do these crazy, like, therapy techniques. He's forcing his son to do something his son's (laughs) not ready to do. And it's obvious now in this moment where Faye's talking to herself that, like, they're trying to present an image of themselves as this, like, wildly successful and upright people. And then as soon as Bob comes in and is, like, crazy and weird and fun and exciting, they all gravitate towards him because they themselves are maybe a little not as perfect as Leo wants them to be. I think it just clicked to me what this movie is about. Oh, yeah. This movie is about how everybody is crazy. This movie is about that's it. <laughs> how everyone is unhealthy and the strive to get healthy is in itself insanity. Yes. <laughs> um. Anyways, now that we psychoanalyze, <laughs> we are psychoanalysts, guys. This podcast just changed. It's we're it's serious it's now. A serious no more button. laughing. No more laughing. No more movies. We're just going to talk about mental health. I picked an actor who I think is so fucking funny because I wanted to pick a comedian in the husband role Mm -hmm. because I wanted more of that idea that like they're trying to keep up appearances and then as Bob affects them it's like fuck appearances like let's just be as weird as we want to be weird (laughs) I picked Peter Serafenowitz okay who was the star of the tick the Mm -hmm. dearly departed tick on Amazon he was in Spy which I don't know if you saw Spy with Melissa McCarthy oh yes he is so funny in that movie and so creepy and weird 
as like mm-hmm. the Italian spy who, if I recall, yeah. yes, wasn't really yes. Italian. Am I imagining this? Um, or is he Italian the whole way through? I can't remember. I. It's uh, a good question. He's someone who I think could play very proper. Mm-hmm. And then kind of dive into craziness. Like, I don't know if you watched his, like, two episodes on Parks and Rec when he was, like, a very posh British person in government who befriends Andy. I don't think I remember this. And they, like, fly drones together because they're both, like, <laughs> man children. He was... he was. That's very interesting. He is a very specific kind of... He does a very specific kind of comedic performance. Mm-hmm. Also, he's very large. He's a big guy. Reese Witherspoon is very small. <laughs> I mean, I don't know why that's a that's a knock on him for being a giant person. No, it's not. I'm just saying it's going to be very interesting to see them on – because this is going to get made. It's going to be very interesting <laughs> to see them on camera together. Um, no, I think that's I think that's a great choice. I, I think I like that because, at least from the perspective I was looking at it with, there's a certain, like, aloofness that I think we're supposed to assume about the – well, in our case, the husband character, yeah. because like Julie Haggerty plays it so like, you know, maybe when we meet her, we think she's like just the wife. And then as things sort of evolve, like we figure out that there's a lot going on in their relationship and um, there's a lot that she wants and needs that she doesn't have. Um, and so we just start to connect with her more. But there is like a thread of like I can't think of a better word than aloofness. Like there's just a thread of something a little silly mm-hmm. that I would like to continue to see in this person. Yeah. We're not defending Leo's recent behavior in any way. So please don't take this personally. But we've been thinking that however irrational the reasons, Leo's just so upset with you right now that... We just think it would be best if you're not here when he wakes up. You want me to go? I'm sorry. Okay, so for my husband character, so it wouldn't be Faye. It would be Steve (laughs) or something. Um, (laughs) I picked Fred Armisen. And I feel like this is a little bit of an odd choice, but I like him for it because... I want to see him go from the sort of person who, like, can't really, like, stand up for themselves and is sort of going along with the the grand plan yeah. of Good Morning America and Perfect Family and then sort of gets to the point where they're like, no, like, Bob's fine. Yeah. And it and seeing the, the slight, like, heartbreak when eventually, like, she in the movie has to, like, ask him to leave and everybody's kind of like, you know, this is the father we never had. <laughs> Uh, two things. One, I'm just sort of weirdly imagining Olivia Coleman and Fred Armisen pretending I like to it. be a married couple. No, I I'm love like, it. Okay. I love it. The second thing is, is that scene in particular, I feel like they would just roll camera and be like, okay, Fred, you're just going to ask him to leave and we're just going to linger here for a while. Because I... they're, they're like the, <laughs> the, the like back and forth between them would just be like nonstop of, of trying to out joke the previous joke. <laughs> yes. So I once saw Fred Armisen at an event and I was with a friend of mine and it was just his his back was to us. And I sort of turned and I was like, oh, there's Fred Armisen. And she was like, how can you tell? And (laughs) there was just something about the way that he was speaking that I was like, it's definitely him. And she turned and she was like, oh, yes, definitely. For sure. Like he just has a way about him that's very comedic. And I agree. I think all of these scenes where. Um, Julie Haggerty, who is so funny, is playing it so like evenly mm-hmm. that it would be very fascinating to see him sort of like cracking she, a little. She kind of plays a straight man through this whole thing. And mm-hmm. I don't know if you necessarily need that. Like, I don't think so. When he's trying to explain why it's weird to her that Bob is sleeping in a room with their kid. Yeah. She's trying to ground it as just like, no, we're just trying to be nice. We're trying to be like, this is what you want us to be. You want us to be really nice. <laughs> oh, come on, Leo. He's a sweet guy. He's perfectly harmless. Maybe a little neurotic, but, but not crazy. Don't you realize that everything he's done violates the doctor-patient relationship? And now he's in there with our son. And so I, I would watch Fred do that. I would also, I'm also interested in seeing Fred Armisen play a married man. 
a father figure. Like, on his Portlandia stuff, all of his, like, older characters, Mm -hmm. they never seem to have kids. Do you know what I mean? So it would be interesting to kind of... No, yeah, I'm... This is great. (laughs) Trust me. Okay. Trust me. Uh, Anna Marvin, played by Catherine Irby. Uh, probably the hardest one to cast because she's the most genuine of them. Like, and there's not much really to her. Yeah, that we that we get. She's just like a kid who wants to have fun with her friends in yeah. the summer. So this one was a little hard, but the moment where she's you know when Leo and her are storming through the woods and he's trying to tell her to keep away from Bob, right? Um, the puppets. Yeah, the pup, the puppets. Um, one that was a great scene, but I wish it, it like I wish her friends had been around her a little more. I I wish she had more yeah. want in this movie. Not to be a uh, screenwriter one hundred and one character must have want. Like, what does she want? Like, what does she? What does she want? But also, like, well, I mean, it's fascinating how they constructed it because. You know, we sort of get this overarching idea that Leo just needs to change. He needs to be a better husband. He needs to be a better father. Like, we get that. He's not attentive. He's a little overbearing. He's, like, more focused on his career than his family. But we don't necessarily see how that, like, unfolds specifically except with Siggy. Yeah. And so both Faye and Anna should have those sort of – Their specific things of, like, this is how he treats us. Yeah. But it's very sort of generic of like when he does confront her and she's they're sort of yelling at each other in the woods. There's like nothing happening that I'm like, oh, this is the shift he needs to make with her. Yeah. Like if there's something where like he's making her go to a school she doesn't want or he's yeah. trying to like overbear her and like college applications or something like there, there needed to be some other tangible. Yeah. And I felt like there could have been room for for all of that stuff. Like, you know, that it's it makes the movie what eight minutes longer. Like, yeah. it doesn't matter. Um, it's your pick. Oh, is it my turn? Um, okay, so for my Anna, who, first of all, style icon mm-hmm. of the early 90s, mm-hmm. um, loved it. Uh, I picked Rowan Blanchard, whom you may know if you happened to watch Girl Meets World, the Boy Meets World sequel series. I did not. Um, is it, she the girl? Yes. Riley. She's fantastic. And I think she's really great. I just she's a little more because I feel like there was so much trivia about how Catherine Irby is actually only like 10 years younger than Julie Haggerty. Yeah. Like she's <laughs> very much a teen, a 20 something playing a teenager. And I think there would be something really interesting about actually having a teenager in this part because it would just give you a little more reality into the situation. <laughs> So what's it like being the daughter of a brilliant analyst and sleeping in the next bedroom at night when you need him? Is it great? No, it's not great. I have problems the same as anyone else. The same as you. Like what? Like what? Well, like analyzing everything to death to see if what I'm feeling is normal. Yes, I have that. Yeah. Yeah, I I love her as an actress. I think she's super funny and cute and would given a, a little bit more uh, of a story. Yeah. I think she'd be fun to watch also on this journey of of learning to love Bob m- maybe more than their dad right now. Yeah. I don't know this actress unfortunately and I'm kind of creeped out by like looking at the like Google photos of her. It's like <laughs> they really I don't know if it's her agent or her manager but it's like they really want to grow her up like fast and i'm like this she's like 17 like this let's let's let kids be kids i think it's part of her image a little bit as well just because she's become very outspoken um, Uh, okay on social media and in different realms so i think it might be a little bit of her as well but no i'm in general i mean this is just a, a note for hollywood in general can we calm down with children yeah Please. Let kids be kids. Um, you know, but kudos to you for picking a actress who would look like Olivia Coleman and Fred Armisen had a child <laughs> together. That, that at least I will agree with. See, you were like, how are they going to do this? Yeah. I went with an actress who I tried to watch as much of her stuff as possible, oh, but boy. I'm going to say that I think she's very good. But also, she is the daughter of two very successful actors, so how could she not be good? And also... She could definitely bring in, you know, that piece of, like, living in the shadow of a very famous parent. Oh, wow. 
Do you know who I'm going to pick? No. Oh, you seem to have a face that that you were like sniffing out who I was picking. Well, there's someone who's been very uh, acclaimed recently. Oh, I picked Maya Hawk. Oh, that is who I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, daughter of Ethan Hawk and Uma Thurman. She really looks like her mom. Yes, like, tremendously, very much. I spent um, some because I didn't realize I'm just starting season three of Stranger, Stranger Things, Things. Yeah, and I didn't realize until I was just reading a little bit more, and so I spent some time like looking at pictures of the three of them <laughs> just to be like, huh? Yeah, I but, don't know. Um, of what I saw of her, what I had to pull from Stranger Things season three and mm-hmm. the, another movie that she was in. Um, it seems like she is on the cusp of like really finding her own voice as a performer. Mm-hmm. And that to me was really intriguing for Anna because it's like, yeah, we got to fill Anna with something. So why not give her maybe a storyline that's like she doesn't know what she wants to do. Like maybe Leo is pushing or my version, Leah. Also, my version is called What About Barb? Uh <laughs> But like maybe Leo is pushing her into a Stranger into, Things spinoff. Yeah, into a into a field similar to her or something like that, and she's you know rebelling in some way. I am just having fun with my friends and Bob Wiley. Yes, and Bob Wiley. Bob Wiley is your father's patient. Bob Wiley is a very sensitive person. Your father's sensitive. Bob listens to people. Your father listens to people, except when he's up here in Lake Winnipesaukee. <gasps> Okay. Okay. That's what I. That's why I kind of noodled in my head. No, I like this. I like where this is going. Thank you. Real teenage angst. We are flying through these from a real place. We are flying through these. Flying. Um. Let's move on to Siggy. Honestly, my favorite character. I took the most notes about Siggy. Um. Because I. I think I just related to him the most. That scene where they're just like laying in the laying in bed and the lighting is dark and just on their faces and he's just like. I'm going to die. You're, You're going to die. die. There's nothing we can do about it. Yeah. I was like, oh, this kid gets it. You're going to die. I'm going to die. It's going to happen. What difference does it make if it's tomorrow or 80 years? Much sooner in your case. I, you know, it's hard to replace him because he is someone that I watched in movies such as Hook, you know? Do you know what he's doing now? I don't know what he's doing. Would you like to know? Yes. Because I took this from the trivia. Charles R. Corsmo is an assistant professor of law and the U.S. director of the Canada-U.S. Law Institute at the Case Western Reserve University School of Law, where he teaches courses in corporate law, corporate finance, and torts. Corsmo's articles have appeared in the William & Mary Law Review and Brooklyn Law Review, among others. His scholarship has been cited by the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Second Circuit and in the New York Times. Wow. Yeah. He's a very accomplished lawyer, attorney and teacher. Yes. And actor. Cause he was crushing it at age 13. So <laughs> good for him. So good for him that he kept that momentum going. Yeah. <laughs> um, I bet he could come back in some capacity if he chose to, but it seems like he doesn't need to. No. Okay. So I needed a very precocious child yep. who could also deliver on the angst and the, um, morose, side of life mm-hmm. um and there wasn't anyone really i wanted more than mckenna grace oh yeah yeah yeah. who's gonna be in uh ghostbusters 2020 she's everywhere she's man everywhere captain marvel uh-huh. uh most famous from i Tanya. she was in annabelle comes home she is in annabelle comes home which i did not see but i got that a-list uh, so maybe you see it. It's, maybe you'll catch the first half hour oh and my bounce. <laughs> just see if you're into it. Um, but I just think that she has the intelligence to play yeah. Siggy because that's what also kind of gets me is that Siggy is so in his head until Bob shows up and then they're like, then it's almost like Siggy can be a kid. Yeah. Snap face! Vulture vomit! <laughs> Turkey tits! <laughs> Belt rip! Open this door. Sigmund! What is going on around here? Threats. That's really important. And I think she could fucking knock this out of that. Oh, for Proverbial sure. park. She's incredible. Um, so for my Siggy, whom I love because his name is Sigmund. Yes. Who names their child Sigmund? Well. An egotistical psychiatrist. Yes. Which apparently both of his children are named after Freud's 
because Anna is Sigmund Freud's daughter's oh. name. And she was also a famous child psychologist. Apparently. Apparently. <laughs> I, I just read the trivia. Um, okay. So for my Siggy, I wanted to pick, like you said, someone who can really sort of hold their own um, as far as the levels that he's got to have. Siggy's got levels. Um, so I picked up and coming child actor Sonny Suljic. <laughs> You know who this is. You're going to see his face. Spell it. Of mid-90s, of Killing of a Sacred Deer, The House of the Clock and Its Walls. I know of him. I unfortunately don't think I've watched any of his work. You've seen Killing of a Sacred Deer. Oh, yes. Oh. Yes. I mean, but he was so young in that. Anyway, I I never saw mid-90s, but I did see The House of the Clock and Its Walls. <laughs> And he plays a sort of bully in that. And I was just like, oh, okay, I get it. Like, I get that this kid has got charisma mm -hmm. to be spent yeah. in the the child acting sphere that we're all just plucking kids from. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, I think he would be a really fun actor to yeah. watch. Yeah. Uh, he gives off a more troubled youth vibe to me which i think okay. isn't a bad thing i wonder i wonder like it's hard to put kids in comedies like it's it's really like this could be this could be a slam dunk and this could be like uh-oh right his timing's off but yeah i mean i don't know how you even act in a killing of a sacred deer without being like <laughs> what is happening so yeah you know what that's true that's turned me those actors those kid actors you have to have some level <laughs> of understanding of yeah. what's happening right you have to you have to be aware on some level of like what life is yeah. 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 I don't think it, I made sense right there, but I'm with you. I think that's a great pick. Good job. Good job by us. Good. We did good. We did good. Well, I feel like the only thing we really haven't talked about is the German couple. The the Gutmans? Is that what they yes. were? Yes. They were great. They're so funny. <laughs> they, I truly love being able to literally like, there are just points in the movie where Richard Dreyfuss sort of turns and they're there always in their boat. <laughs> When the house is burning down and they're just like, burn, burn. <laughs> I was like, these people. I loved it. Uh, yeah, I think they are necessary as well yeah. to just push Leo for – like just the karmatic retribution that they receive is so worth it. Mm -hmm. Because you do kind of need to paint Leo in some villainy or else yeah. it's like he's being tortured in a way that we don't really like. You know what I mean? But it's so it's so funny too to have uh, these two characters who identify immediately that this is someone who is going to torture their nemesis. Yeah, and so they're like, "Oh, we'll tell you exactly where he lives. Stay as far away from him as possible." Well, that'll be easy. He won't see me. That's why I'm waiting for the phone call. He won't see you. Well, we'll show you where he lives. You will. The son of a bitch. She never says that. Um, okay. Well, you know who we should really talk about now? Mm-hmm. Where does Barry Pepper go? Let's do it. Guys, where does Barry Pepper go? Maybe pick the same. Maybe. Maybe. I made him <laughs> Lily. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that's a no. <laughs> that's a no, guys. That's I... another no. That's another strike <laughs> for old Brock Ankara. I just love the, I love the confidence with which you're always like, I think we did it this time. I picked him as Lily, but then I was thinking like, well, if we show him early, because they show Lily very early on in the photos in his office, that it's like, it might be a little too jarring to be like, that's a photo of Barry Pepper. Yeah. But I and still, then you're going to spend the whole movie being like, oh, I just can't wait until we get to see Barry Pepper. But I don't. <laughs> that's true. That's exactly. That's true. So it's too distracting in a good way for yeah. Barry Pepper. But I don't think like maybe if you film it differently, like you, you just say that like, oh, there's a there's a, a sister or a sibling character yeah. out there. It's very important that they like. Uh, oh, here's a solve. The photo is them as kids. Oh, yeah. And then when he shows up, you're like. That's Barry Pepper. That's Barry. <laughs> Are you Barry Pepper? Which is kind of how this whole segment started. Yeah. Um, listen, he's a national treasure. Um, 
Okay, so I put him as Phil, who is Leo's doctor. Yes. Who has the great moment talking to Bob of of re-diagnosing him and getting him a new prescription. I'm leaving a prescription for Prozac. Excuse me, Phil, but with these particular symptoms, is Prozac the right choice? You think Prozac is a mistake? Well, this kind of manic episode, I would think that Librium might be a more effective management tool. You could be right. I'll rewrite the prescription. I like that. Yeah, there's so many doctors in this movie, like... The doctor at the insane asylum. Mm-hmm. He could have slid in there. He could have been the Bob's original doctor who's, like, losing his shit. Who's and a, I'm free. I, for some reason, recalled in my memory that that doctor killed himself. Wow. I don't know why, so dark. where that came from, though. Listen, I... I think I'm confusing the false flag of Bob killing himself oh, with that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dark. So dark. Which, honestly... I'll say this. I, I sort of wish this was a horror movie. It could be. There must be a trailer online that's like a recut of What About Bob as a horror as movie. As a horror movie. Because there are just so many points where I'm like, they are very okay with him bumping into their lives and like sleeping in the same room as their son mm-hmm. and just coming to dinner and always being there. And if this were a slightly different tone, the house would blow up with them inside. It, it it could have a one hour photo vibe. You know yeah. what I mean? Oh yeah, I'd watch that. I'd watch it. I don't have any other notes for this movie. I just thought it was a quite enjoyable film to watch over a holiday break. Yep. Sort of like it's it's very much a prototype to most Ben Stiller movies that has ever been made. Yeah, a little. He goes a little broad comparatively because mm-hmm. that's the interesting thing about like Bill Murray as an actor and in this movie is that it's not as like big yeah. as it could have been. And in all honesty, like whatever, if, if it were to ever be remade, it would be so much bigger because that's just how we do things mm-hmm. now. Would you remake this movie? I'm on the fence. Yeah. I can't, I don't want to say no. Cause I think it could be something, but I'm also not like, yes, for sure. Yeah, I don't think this exact movie needs to be remade because mm-hmm. I think there are so many movies like this that kind of get made yeah. already. Um, I do like the casts we pick, so I'm just sort of maybe rooting f- to see them yeah. come alive. So, yeah, I, probably not. Probably unnecessary. But, you know, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. They'll get to it eventually. All right, guys, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of The Boot. If you like this podcast, please check out our other podcast. Stay tuned next week. We have a great movie for you. Check out our other episodes. Kenna, where can the people find us? You can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts. Stop by there and leave us a rating and review. It's the best way to help us out. The best. You can also find us now on Ko-fi where you can go to make a very small donation just to help us keep making this fine podcast. That link is in our description and all over Twitter. Speaking of Twitter, you can follow us at The Boot Podcast on Twitter and at Boot Podcast on Instagram if you just want to keep up with the haps or you can follow us individually for some killer content at Flimby and at Kenetrent. I'm overselling us. <laughs> okay, guys. We'll see you next time. Bye. Is this a fake hang up? It's a fake hang up.